You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, I want to analyze a little bit the descriptions of the Prophet Because the descriptions that the Prophet mentions in this Sahih Hadith, which all Sunnis have narrated, is extremely important. The descriptions the Prophet mentions are very critical for us to analyze. The Prophet could have just said, tomorrow I'm going to give the banner to Ali ibn Abi Talib. Why does he mention all these descriptions? Because the Prophet wanted to highlight who Ali ibn Abi Talib is, why he is qualified and why others were not qualified to lead after him. The first one that's really significant, I'll give the banner to someone tomorrow who loves Allah and loves the Prophet. What's the implication? What's the mafhum? When you send two people and they fail, and then you say, tomorrow I'm going to give it to someone who loves God and the Prophet. What are you trying to say? What's the implication? What's the implied meaning? Yes, it means those who went before Imam Ali, they don't really love Allah and the Messenger. Or at least not like Ali does. At least. Now my dear brothers and sisters, when they ask us, the followers of Ahlul Bayt, why are you obsessed with Imam Ali? Why do you insist he's the first Khalifa? Why do I follow others? who did not love Allah and the Messenger like Ali ibn Abi Talib Why should you follow someone who loves Allah and the Messenger less than Ali ibn Abi Talib? Why should I follow them? It's only rational that I'm going to trust after the Prophet someone whom I know loves Allah and the Messenger. The others, I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. And I don't even know to what level they love Allah and the Messenger. It's disputed. The Prophet downgrades their love even if it exists, right? Even if it exists, the Prophet downgrades their love compared to Imam Ali. So why should I follow them? I follow Imam Ali I can trust him. And remember, this isn't Sunni sources. This is not just in Shia sources. So that's the first description, that he truly loves Allah and the Messenger of Allah. This tells you about the other companions, whether they truly loved Allah and the Messenger or not. The second, this one's even stronger. Allah and Messenger love him back. What's the implication here? Does Allah love those before him? Most likely not. But even if we want to be academic with them, he doesn't love them like he loves Ali. So why should I follow them? You have two options. Either you choose someone who loves Allah and his Messenger at the maximum level, Allah and the Messenger loves him back. And then you have those other two where the implied meaning is that they don't love Allah and the Messenger like he does. Why should I follow them? It just boils down to rationality, my dear brothers and sisters. Very simple. That's the second. The third one. Karrar ghair farrar. Karraran ghaira farrar. What does karrar mean? Karrar comes from the word kar. Kar means to go back or to repeat. Karrar means the one who doesn't run away. 
he keeps going back, going back until he, he achieves victory. He doesn't give up. He doesn't always leave and escape. He doesn't flee. What's the implied meaning? Those who came before Imam Ali they fled. That was their habit. Uhud, they fled. Ahzab, they fled. All those major battles, they fled. The Prophet says, tomorrow I'm going to give it to someone who doesn't flee like that. Why should I follow others when they kept fleeing according to the Prophet Look at the implied meaning here. This also implies that others would run away in very critical moments. In the most critical moment, they disappear. Remember from our biography class from Mecca, from the days of Mecca, from the Shab of Abi Talib. Remember the Shab of Abi Talib that lasted three years? There was a boycott against the Prophet to harass him, kill him, make him starve. You don't find one single hadith. I challenge any Muslim to bring me a va'if hadith. Va'if hadith, I'll take it. In any book that we have from the hadith collections. That says one day, Umar, whom they say was so brave and I don't know, they have all these fada'il for him and virtues. One day he came during those three years bringing some food for the Prophet. Ya Rasulullah, you're suffering, you're starving, here's some food. Let me defend you. Where's Abu Bakr during those three years? Where is he? Don't you consider him the best person after the Prophet and the one who sacrificed the most? Where is he during those three years? When the Prophet needed support most, not one hadith tells us they tried to secretly come and bring him some food when the Prophet was almost starving, almost starving. There's no trace of them. You find that in the most critical moments, they were not there. At Uhud, when the enemies got this close to the Prophet, they almost killed him. They disappeared, nowhere to be found. So the Prophet is highlighting this. I'm sending a man tomorrow who doesn't flee. That means those others, they have the habit of fleeing. He will not come back except with the victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never let him down. Allah is always with him. Now, one question here is that when did the eyes of Imam Ali salam experience Ramad? There are some reports by Sunni sources that claim this happened in Medina and that Imam Ali did not come to Khaybar with the Prophet initially. Later, he came to Khaybar. But that's not correct. We dispute that because if that was the case, if Imam Ali's eye condition developed in Medina, how did he get to Khaybar? It's a long journey getting to Khaybar. 100 miles or 60 miles, what was the distance from Medina to Khaybar? Around 100 miles, 160 kilometers, 158 kilometers. How did he get there? We don't have a report that tells us how he got there. If he can't see, who's the one who guided the Imam to get there? So we dispute those claims that state it happened in Medina. The correct, you know, version is that this happened at Khaybar. Because one report tells us that when they attacked the first fort in Khaybar, or one of the forts in Khaybar, some smoke was coming from that 
fort. And it's the smoke of that fort that caused the eye condition in Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib That's when his eyes developed that condition. So we actually have a report that says there was smoke in one of the forts of Khaybar and that smoke came in the way of Imam Ali and that's why he developed an eye condition. So that is clear that it didn't happen in Medina. It happened there at Khaybar. Finally, we have many reports that state when the Prophet arrived Khaybar, he gave the banner to Imam Ali. So that means the Imam was there and he was okay. And he is the one who liberated the first fort, the fort of um, Na'im at Khaybar. So we know that this didn't happen in Medina. This happened over there. And we said why? Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow Imam Ali to develop this condition? What's the philosophy behind it? Exactly, to give others a chance and to prove their failure and to prove the success of Imam Ali Now by the way, initially when Imam Ali developed this condition, some companions, they were happy. You can see from historical sources and the tone of them speaking about the Ramad of Imam Ali they were actually happy that this condition kept him away from all these victories, from all these medals of honor. Now you could, you could say the following, let's say we're playing devil's advocate, right? You could say, but look, if they were happy that Imam Ali was there, was not there, that means they really wanted to sacrifice and liberate Khaybar. That shows that they really had the intention to get this honor. So give them credit for that. How do you respond to that? But how were they so sure that they would achieve a victory? Maybe you'll get defeated. Maybe the Khaybaris were going to kill all of them. Uh, see, the Prophet had promised. Remember from our previous classes? The Prophet had said, Allah has promised me Khaybar. So right off the bat, what did they know? What did they know? They knew it was a victory. They didn't know how, but they knew it was, there was a victory. Whether God's going to send angels, whether He's going to do a miracle, they didn't know. But they knew definitely God is going to intervene because there's no way we could liberate these powerful forts using natural power. There's no way. So the fact that the Prophet promised us and they knew the Prophet doesn't lie. They knew that. Even the hypocrites, even the hypocrites who doubted the messengerhood of the Prophet, they knew he doesn't lie because he had a track record. Every time the Prophet made a promise, it happened. So like, look, when this guy makes a promise, when this man makes a promise, well, we know he's, he's saying the truth, the truth. So they knew in the beginning there's going to be a victory. So they were happy that Imam Ali was ill. Because they knew there will be a victory. So if Ali is ill, somebody else is going to get the honor. I want it to be me. So it was not really for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for some of the companions, not all of them. There were many of them who were decent and, and sincere and we respect them for that. But some of them were hypocrites. So even if you find them kind of happy that Imam Ali was there, not because they really wanted to sacrifice. We, we saw what they did. They went and they praised Marhab you know, to further scare the Muslims. And they come back, came back uh, accusing the companions of being cowards. And they accused him of being cowards. So not because he really wanted to sacrifice, but he knew there's a victory there. He knew because the Prophet had made a promise. So it's like, let me be there. Let me get the victory. 
But, but that was the trial that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them to show them their failure. And suddenly the Prophet calls for Imam Ali. That's what they didn't expect. The Prophet's going to call for Imam Ali and then, you know, he's going to rub his eyes and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to cure them. So we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly gave them the opportunity in order to liberate the um, fort of Qamus at Khaybar, which was the most difficult fort. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave that medal of honor to Ali ibn Abi Talib So the Imam reaches the fort in our next class. We will examine what happens. How does the Imam break into this fort? Heavily fortified. Thousands of men guarding it. What does Imam Ali do? We'll examine that in our next class and see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the victory. And then we'll also briefly see what happened to Safiyyah. If you remember from our previous classes, we spoke about Safiya. Safiya is the wife of the Prophet who was captured and arrested at Khaybar. Who arrested her? How was she arrested? And how did she become the wife of the Prophet Muhammadin